I believe we're going to see a lot more water convert into the digital marketplace. And what I mean by that is in the irrigation system, irrigation folks, even sort of in the analog world, we have some systems that are digitized like flow sensors and even soil moisture sensors. But I'm going to, I predict that there's going to be more and more um, digitization of the irrigation and water sector. If you are an irrigation professional, old or new, who designs, installs, or maintains high-end residential, commercial, or municipal properties, and you want to use technology to improve your business, to get a leg up on your competition, even if you're an old-school irrigator from the days of hydraulic systems, this show is for you. Hey, what's up, my friends? Welcome back to the most exciting episode of the Sprinkler Nerd Show for 2020. One, I'm joined by my amazing friend, very special guest, creative brain share thinker, Paul Bassett from Envacore, longtime friend, friend of the show, friend of the program, friend to all you guys listening. And what we're going to do today is we are going to review the predictions that Paul and I came up with on this, pretty much this very same day in 2020, we looked out into this year, 2021, made a couple predictions. We're going to see if those predictions actually came true, if they were totally bogus, or if they're still going to happen in the future. And then we're going to make some predictions for this next year, 2022. So uh, with that, Paul Bassett, welcome to the show. It's always a pleasure to join you and my friend on the Sprinkler Nerd Show. This is it. This is where the good magic happens. We do it in private all the time. So this is just where we get to do it in public. <laughs> and I think, you know, the, the public certainly needs to hear some of the brain shares that you and I create. Yeah. Cause we, scene. and we know that they're having them on their own. This is actually a good intro to just a little bit of small talk here because I was joined. Uh, well, I wasn't joined, but I met up with a gentleman named Chris Schluski. Um, and he's from, I think it's Albuquerque. New Mexico, might be Santa Fe. Anyway, he's from that area of the country. And he is a new member of the Sprinkler Nerd community on Facebook. So if you're listening to this and you are a green industry professional, come join the Sprinkler Nerd community on Facebook. And again, it's only for uh, professional green industry folks. So you could be a landscaper, an irrigator, a lawn maintenance company, fertilizer company. Maybe you build decks or patios, just anything green industry Related, we'd love to have you in the Sprinkler Nerd community. And Chris and I caught up because he uh, had a post in the community about cisterns, and that he was uh, done. He's done a lot of cistern work, and he's also a registered landscape architect. But he spent something like twenty years in the field doing irrigation work, and so he has this whole background of uh, construction knowledge that he's able to bring to the design process as a registered landscape architect and an irrigation design professional. So. Uh, it was just awesome to uh, to catch up with another fellow sprinkler nerd, and it's fun when you meet a sprinkler nerd because it's like you are always it's like your immediate friends because you think alike. So we know you're out and there. You know, it, it, and it, and it, it it's good too to be able to share the the knowledge that we've all gained by doing this unique business that we're in, and it's hard to find places to be able to congregate and talk about things. So having this community really is helpful for all of us, Andy. 
Yeah. So hopefully some of the stuff we talk about today or we brain share about resonates with you. And uh, we would love to hear your hear the feedback. So drop either Paul, a line or myself on LinkedIn. Join us in the community. It can be tough when we're just sitting here rapping with ourselves because we we're just I mean, Paul and I are right here. We're on a video conference, but we're just talking to ourselves and it would be much more fun to hear the feedback from you guys. So reach out to us and let us know what you think. So let's see what's on the last, let's say, month or two, Paul, what have you been up to? Well, we're dealing with this funny little virus that we call COVID has always been a challenge here trying to manage a business, um, trying to stay safe is the most important thing that I think myself and, and my team has been trying to do as we close out the year. I know we've been fortunate enough to be able to have some some pretty decent projects that are coming to the end, and we have some other ones that are just starting out. So um, I know there's a couple of projects, and you and I are involved with down at the Library of Congress, Andy, which has been quite the fun project trying to integrate all this new technology and cybersecurity challenges in the world. Yeah, I can't believe that project's still happening. When did you officially break ground with that? Well, there's been a lot of different things that that happened out there. Primarily, they've been doing some additional construction, so it postponed some areas for us to have access to. But I would say it's at least two years that we've been out there. Dave just finally finished the the last sprinkler head yesterday, as a matter of fact, and finished seeding the landscape over there. So amazing two year construction project. And it's not like you guys are there every single day. It's just keeps on going, right? You haven't been punched off for the job for two years. Yeah. And I think that, you know, a lot of the things that affected some of the progression of some of our federal projects is certainly COVID has, has slowed down um, our ability to gain access and get folks to get in there and close out the project. So that's for sure. And, and then that particular project, as you know, there was a, a little gang of folks that came into the building down there. So we had to shut down the site for a month or so, which also then increased security and safety. So those are other things that affected that job. Yeah. So that's cause that's right down there. Um, right on the U S Capitol, um, area it's on the ground yeah the yep. u.s capitol so yeah part of that whole complex was was ran by the architect of the capitol so yeah we got we got fenced off and gaining <laughs> access to that site was a little challenging over the last six months to a year yeah crazy okay well let's see uh i re-listened to our podcast recording from last year and i wrote down some of the things we talked about because we each picked three last year three things that were going to happen in 2021 that were that we were looking out into the future that we were predicting so why don't we just i'll just start here with the first the first one that that you came up with your first prediction which i think is amazing so i'm just going to preface this by i think this prediction is amazing and we can talk about whether it's happened yet uh, and whether it will happen but i think it's amazing and you talked about this concept of uh, modeling software as a service, modeling after software as a service and calling it savings as a service. And that could be water savings as a service or energy savings as a service. Um, and so where do we, where do we land on savings as a service concept this year? Did it happen? It didn't happen ideally, Andy, just because there's a lot of flux with regards to our business and my model of the business is primarily in, in the, um, energy service 
contracting business with the ESPC. So there was a lot of influx with regards to um, that particular business. And we had a lot of movement and companies closing and moving out of this business and adding this and guys and gals moving companies. Um, it's still a very viable opportunity, um, especially as it segues into energy as a service. And I know a few um, clients of mine are, are breaking out a part of their energy service contract business and providing energy as a service. So certainly savings as a service and water as a service will be a good tie-in to those folks that are focusing on energy as a service because water or savings as a service is primarily the same sort of venue into that element of the business. Mm -hmm. It's just taken a little longer to gravitate um, towards you know, the, the start line, ideally, because of the, the pandemic has certainly restricted a lot of folks from doing a little more creative strategies. Yeah, I think, too, that it's, it's sometimes hard for guys like you and me that have a vision for something, because sometimes we can see it right here. We can reach out, we can touch it, we can see this opportunity. And what we don't realize is the timeline that is going to be required for this idea or opportunity to come to fruition that it seems so not so easy, but it seems so possible that, yeah, next year could totally happen next year when really maybe this is five years out or six years or, or two years or some period of time. It's easy when you have the concept because you can visualize it and you know it's going to happen and decide and figuring out when it can be really difficult. But, you know, one of the things I've learned with you know, creating ideas or having ideas and talking ideas through you, you and R and our brain sharing. Um, eventually, something is going to happen. You just have to be focused on the thought and knowing that you're going to create something that's going to be beneficial one day. Right, Drew, yep. you and I've been doing this quite some time, and we found success in some of the ideas that we've created. It's just this particular one. It's just going to take a little more time for it to finally come to fruition. Yeah. Okay, cool. So uh, you weren't wrong. It just hasn't happened yet. <laughs> let's just, let's yes, just, let's, let's talk about it like that. You're not wrong. It just hasn't happened yet. Cool. I like that. Then let's move to, let's go to my, my prediction that was first on my list. And these were in no particular order. They were just mm -hmm. three. I had a prediction that, Distributors were going to need to start upping their game. And what I mean, what I mean by that is distributors, it, it, we are no longer, the distributor's value is no longer just having something on the shelf because there are lots of shelves. There are physical shelves. There's, a, there's usually two or three or more distributors in a large metro area. That's the physical shelf. And then you have the digital shelf. So access to the product really isn't the value that it used to be. And my prediction was that distributors were going to need to, you know, really figure out what their value was and start adding more value to the market. And I think that it's kind of hard to measure. You know, maybe maybe some of these predictions are hard to measure because some distributors probably did. They could be listening to this and say, yeah, absolutely. We increased the number of training sessions. Um, we improved the portal on our website. We improved um, our integrations for estimating systems or design, whatever, whatever that is. There are probably some that did it and there are probably some that 
didn't think about it. So maybe it's hard to measure that exactly. But I kind of uh, sitting where I am right now, I don't feel like much has changed. I don't I don't see anything. You know, I haven't been exposed to much new value add. So it might just be that it it hasn't happened yet as well. Yeah, and you're right too, Andy. It's it's hard to measure that particular goal. You know, where where do you you have to ask more people, I think, in the community and, and see if there's been an increased value to the distributors uh, and what their thoughts are on that. Yeah. So let's uh, something that could have been measurable would be something like did distribution invest more in the technical services part of their business? Did they hire more um, you know, specialized technicians to help on central control type projects? Did they hire more technical specialists to help on pumps? Are they doing more you know, value add in market? I, it's hard I to tell. I, I, I don't I think see so. That, right? I didn't, I don't, I don't see that, you know, personally. Yep. I still think a lot of that work goes back to the manufacturer directly. Uh, and, and therefore the distributor is, is really not adding any value other than a transaction. And if you're listening to this as a distributor, make sure there's value because if it's just a transaction, a manufacturer could make that transaction. Your competitor could make that transaction. The transaction is not a value added in any way, really. So anyway, okay, enough of that one. Get off my little commerce value add soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go on to your second one. You had mentioned that you thought we would see an increase in virtual learning and virtual training uh, with a particular interest in helping more young people enter the industry, get trained, and just really more virtual learning and training overall. I did see that uh, increase, Drew, for sure. I mean, I, I've taken advantage of a couple of virtual training uh, myself and my team members. Um, I still think there could have been more by, by more folks, you know, vis-a-vis -vis the manufacturers and, and distributors. So I think I was right in regards to that there was some, because I know I've taken some additional ones in my team. I th still think there should have been more. Yeah, I think I'll give that one to you also. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. Yeah, uh, I, I know that, um, you know, I was hired with Baseline to do weekly Tech Talk Tuesday uh, discussions. That went really well. I know that Hunter just released a whole sort of suite or portfolio of very helpful YouTube videos on how to install things, how to use things program. Uh, I'm sure that Rainbird launched, you know, videos as well. Um, I know that your tech training portal continues to grow. And I think that you're absolutely, absolutely right. And kind of going back to, so let's give you the points for that. But I also think that that could be something that distribution should be working on or could be working on to go back to adding their value. Cause if other That's people right. are building that, then, then the distributor is no longer staying in the middle of the customer's attention in that relationship. So that could be a great thing for distribution to work on is that virtual learning and training portals to provide value to their customers. Okay. Let's go to my second prediction, which was that, this is kind of a bold one <laughs> that Hunter opens a direct to consumer portal. 
And when I said direct to consumer, I also mean direct to contractor. They opened a direct to contractor portal. And I had that hunch because you could, as of last year, start going into the Hunter's website, adding products to a quote list and getting that sent off to a distributor. So I thought it would make perfect sense for them just to put the add to cart button there. So that's a loss that hasn't happened yet. I didn't get that one, but I still think it's mm. just a matter of time, really. All manufacturers should have, could have a direct relationship with their customer. And it may not be, you know, the large projects that are going out to bid and quoted it could just be selling one sprinkler to one person. But I think that it's coming. Um, Hunter and all the rest will have direct to contractor, direct to consumer, whatever you want to call it, uh, purchasing portals directly online. Yeah. I don't see why it shouldn't be. We see it with other uh, manufacturers and other products that we buy and purchase. Yeah. And I would love to have this conversation with a manufacturer. So if you are Hunter or Rainbird or Toro or Weathermatic or whoever, I would love to have a direct to consumer discussion with you, the pros, cons, what the hesitation is, what the risks are, the conflicts, all that kind of stuff would be, would be great to talk about. So I'm just putting that out there. If you're listening to this, reach out to me. <laughs> Let's talk. All right, going on to your third uh, prediction, which was that the government was going to outsource resources for operation and maintenance services. So instead of having all of the staff internally that work directly for the government that perform all these contract, you know, or all these maintenance and operational services that they would start contracting more of that work out. And Andy, i certainly have seen more of it in uh, the park service sector of the world, um, especially during the pandemic where a lot of folks in the government side were home. And then, so someone had to fill the void of the team members uh, on the government side, not being able to produce the work or cut the grass even. So they, they brought in private contractors to, to do the work. And I'm only going to see more and more of that um, as we go forward. Mm -hmm. And how would, uh, how do you think someone would find out about those opportunities? Is that something that just goes out to public bid? Uh, I mean, most folks, if you're going to be doing public work, yeah, you would follow and track the public bid process, whether it's for the federal government, state government, or, or local municipalities, you know, park and recs departments and, and those types of folks putting out contracts. I see it all over the place. Luckily for us, we work, you know, all over the country in, in different sectors and in the more and more opportunities to be able to tie into that okay. workload. So another way, could we also call that the privatization of government services? That would, be, would that be another way of describing this? There, well, not specifically that element. There's been, um, when they privatize, say, for instance, um, the federal government, the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, they privatize housing where it used to be ran by the government. So they, they had a private company come in, and now they manage all of the homes for a military base and the utilities. So it's a public-private partnership with uh, the federal government or the the army or the whatever military, the Department of Defense actually, um, where they take over the the housing. Where I've also seen that they privatize uh, water systems on a military base, 
the water and sewer systems, there's a whole infrastructure network where the federal government used to manage it and maintain it themselves and realize it's more effective if they have a private contractor is responsible for the delivery and treatment of the water and then also the the managing of the sanitary and the waste of the water as well. So that is still going and growing from what I see in my business. Okay, good to know. So maybe where a municipality used to have, again, I don't know this, a crew of 25 that would cut grass every day. Instead, maybe they'll have a crew of five and then outsource to a private contractor to come in and cut grass at these parks and such. That is correct. And it's happening more and more. Awesome. So we will give you, I don't know, maybe half credit on that one. You're still, you're still beating <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard to really, you know, specifically determine if the rate is increasing or not. I can only just share from you my experiences, right? But yeah, it's really not tangible. Can we go measure it? It's just hearsay at this point, Drew, yeah. between you and me. And what's fun about doing this, too, is that there's a whole bunch of new uh, listeners to the show. There's a whole new audience that didn't exist last year. And I bet there's a part of this audience that hasn't gone back and listened to all this episodes that never even listened to the prediction episodes from last year. So we're giving ourselves just a little bit of time to talk about them again, reintroduce them, because I think that a lot of these are great thoughts. So we're going to go on to my last prediction. And I guess I called this a vision thought. They're all vision thoughts. I don't know why I picked this as a vision thought. But I predicted that LandFX would launch a marketplace, a purchasing marketplace, where if you were using LandFX software to design an irrigation system, you know, and you, they give you a material takeoff already. You get the material takeoff. They just don't have prices next to it. So if they just simply had manufacturers or distributors or suppliers connect, then you could get a quote from one, two, three, or others. You could immediately have a marketplace quote for that project. And I think I was just too early. I think I'm still going to be uh, bullish on this one. I think a marketplace in this industry is going to happen. It's just too soon. If I had to put it on the list for next year, I might say, you know what? Nope, next year's too soon too. Um, yeah, we're still looking out a little bit, a little bit further and there's probably some political dancing and maneuvering and such that has to happen between the manufacturers and distributors and software companies and everybody sort of jockeying for a potential uh, position. But I think that that's sort of a reason that distributors have to figure out their value because what if that happened? <laughs> what if you could design up a system and land FX and have three different quotes and some guys, some companies would just go with the lowest quote, whoever is supplying. It doesn't matter if the supplier is in Florida or Seattle or Boston, right? It's just coming by the mail. 80% of the stuff we buy these days anyway is mail order, just digital mail order. So that one was too early. I didn't get it. I should probably talk to LandFX, make sure they know about this prediction so they can make it happen. <laughs> All right. Well, I think you were the winner, Paul. I didn't count it up, but I think you got uh, at least two because your savings as a service isn't quite there. Virtual training, absolutely, and government outsourcing for sure. So way to go, man. You got me beat. Well, I think yours are still there. It's just, again, it's not. we have to look back on these in a couple of years and go, you still had something. Their thought was just further out. Right. I was short-term thinking you know, through the year what would happen, and you were long-term thinking five years out. Yep. Okay. Well, let's move on to 2020 also. 
right? Isn't that what we're calling it? 2022, 2020 also. 22. It's a joke, inside joke. If you haven't heard okay. it, right? It's going to be <laughs> I 2020. Missed, I was writing notes. 2020 all over again. Get it? 2022. Yes. <laughs> very, very witty. All right. Andrew. All right. What do you got, Paul? What's your first prediction? Well, what I'm, I'm going to do is it's no particular order. I want to save the best one for last at this point here. Um, and this, this happens to relate primarily to the economy. I, I, inflation, uh, this in 2022, is going to go way up. That means the cost of goods and services are going to go way up. And, you know, this is a cyclical cycle at this point and and all the telltale signs and indicators now at this point is we're going to see inflation rise so just be prepared um you know the we 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 warned you this is the telltale so just make sure that you plan ahead of time and don't be shocked when we start seeing these prices go even higher than they are today Uh, i'm seeing price quotes coming in from new materials beginning of the year seven ten percent Mm-hmm. And it's not just because of the COVID. It's also going to be the rise of inflation. We've had cheap money poured into the market for way too long. And now the piper's here to be paid. Okay. So let's say you are a contractor listening to this. Would you? What would you recommend that they, or how would you recommend they change their bids, you know, um, when they're bidding a project right now? Just make sure that you put a clause into the contract of some sort that there potentially could be a price increase from the manufacturer, distributor, um, that is going to happen. And you don't want to be the contractor that doesn't put that in your bid. And then when you get a 5 or 10% cost increase, all of your margin is out the window. You're not going to make any money. And that's not fair to a contractor um, to be able to absorb that. Absolutely. Um, so, so, so what kind of time frame do... would you allow for on a, on a new bid contract? Seven days, 14 oh, days, 30 days, 60, 90. What do you think? Well, I mean, it, it depends on who you're working with. Uh, I mean, ideally, 30 days is probably the best you're going to get at this point. Um, but, you know, you can see prices are, the, and Andy, you know as well as I do, the pricing market on raw goods and materials and commodities are just they're in flux. I don't see them going down anytime soon. And then with inflation, um, there's going to be not enough goods and everybody wants to spend the money on them. So it's going to drive prices up. Okay. So what do you think? Let's, let's, um, let's say you are a residential irrigation contractor just to try to put a box around a specific type of contractor. And you do mostly new installations and some maintenance. And you put in, I'm just going to pick up a number here, 500 irrigation systems in a year. You know you use the same controller, you use the same sprinklers, you use the same valves. You basically have a cookie cutter-ish type of system that you install. And you know that you're going to put in a million dollars worth of irrigation equipment. Again, I haven't spot checked these numbers if a million is 500 homes. You're going to put in a million dollars worth of equipment. Do you, would you recommend somebody buy half that now so that they're buying it at today's price, knowing that it could go up in six months and they're ahead of that? Uh, and what if everyone does that? Now we have a supply issue. I mean, that, that's a, if you had that kind of 
capital available for purchase of supplies. But remember, in, uh, interest rates are low, so you could probably get a loan at a low rate, maybe not for a million, right, but for some amount. You could, and, and, and I like that strategy, I mean, for sure, you know, get ahead of the curve, make sure you have the supplies you need for your clients, um, you know, before inflation kicks in. Um, that, would, that, that would be a good gamble, Andy, ideally. Unless the note uh, could, uh, the interest rate could raise or something that could call that note back and now you can't pay it or something like that. Or you buy all this equipment and the economy, inflation goes up and people don't put in their systems and your business goes down by 30% next year, but you front loaded all this inventory. There's some, some of those uh, variables to consider. But um, anyway, just kind of had that thought and it's like the whole toilet paper situation. What if everybody goes out and buys all, buys the first quarter or first half of the year of their sprinkler supplies. There's not enough supply out there right now for the whole market to do that because the market has really moved more to a just-in-time inventory system, right? Distributors don't load up with 10 months of inventory anymore like they used to. It's all more just-in-time. Anyway, okay, good one. I like that. Inflation's coming. So I've got one that... It may not happen next year, but I think that we're, we're starting to see it already. And I would love to hear your thoughts on this. I think that we are going to see the death of the non-pressure regulated spray body. Oh. And what I mean by that is we're already seeing it in certain states, right? California. I just heard Massachusetts. I know Washington, Vermont. There's probably, I don't know. 15 to 25% of the states in the U.S. that you have to have a pressure-regulated spray body. And when you think about it, why not just have it in every sprinkler? It doesn't really cost that much more. And you can see the same thing about check valves and uh, the flow shutoff and all these, like, quote-unquote, gadgety features in a spray head. You could just put them all into one spray head and just offer one. Uh, and I know there's certain reasons why you might not want to. But I just think that if certain states are disallowing non-pressure regulated spray bodies, manufacturers just stop making them, put an end to it, only have pressure regulated spray bodies. So you, when you were saying the, the death of the pressure regulated spray <laughs> no, body? No, the, the non-pressure regulated. So the death the of non, the standard, okay, that's all standard spray bodies won't exist. They'll all have pressure regulation in them. I agree. I like that. It should be mandated. I think for sure, for instance, you know, when they end up modifying the code for plumbing toilets, for instance, Andy, you know, they went from 1.6 to 1.28, meaning 1.6 gallons to 1.28 gallons. So you, a manufacturer couldn't make a toilet under that amount anymore. And, and I think that should be the same impetus is what you're mm -hmm. going with is, you know, if you put a sprinkler head in, it should at least have 30 PSI regulated. Yeah. Or 40 right? or something. Yeah. Maybe they don't have to drill it all the way down to 30. Maybe it needs to just be 40 or 45 or something, something a little on the higher end to, um, well, yeah, but doing, to allow some of the, the rotating nozzles that need that extra pressure to be yeah. able to throw and be more, but that would at least stop the, the 70, 60 and 50 PSI you know, situation. So anyway, I just, I've just seen it. it. It will be hard, I think, to control state by state in that way. And it will just be easier. So whether it happens because manufacturers do it, or, or let me step back, whether it happens because the government makes manufacturers do it, 
whether manufacturers choose to do it or whether distributors choose to do it. I just think that we're going to next year really see more of the the death of the non-pressure regulated spray body. All right, rolling on to number two, Paul, what's your second prediction? My second one is um, I believe we're going to see a lot more of water convert into the digital marketplace. And what I mean by that is in the irrigation system, irrigation folks, you know, we've been, we've been sort of in the analog world. We have some systems that are digitized like flow sensors and even soil moisture sensors, but I'm going to, I predict that there's going to be more and more um, digitization of the irrigation and water sector. Um, I was reading a new book just came out by a gentleman named Will Sarney from the Water Foundry called Digital Water. I mentioned that to you, Drew. And and him and his group are just at the forefront of of water all around the country and the world even. And and I I agree with with some of his thoughts specific to uh, water. You know, water's been so far behind energy and gas for for so long just because the rates of water are so low in certain parts of the world. Um, and then we tend to waste it when it's not as valuable a, as a as a rate. <clears throat> so I'm seeing and I'm going to see and we're all going to see it that that water is going to go to digital. Mm-hmm. Meaning uh, we're going to track it more. We're going to see where it starts, where it ends up, where it's going and how much of it. We're just going to have that our finger on it a little bit more is that what you mean by digital yes and to to elaborate more specifically on that andy and and it's good i'm seeing your wheels turn and i like it when when i don't give you the answer right away so you start (laughs) to see the brain shares running through your mind but yes really to digitize water is important to to put the devices out there pressure sensors and flow sensors and leak detection Um, but you need also some AI and blockchain and, and managers of the digital sector to be able to then report the consumption and the leaks and, and those types of elements to the end user so that they can make a reaction to to get out and fix and repair um, before all of that water is either going down the drain or the money is going down the drain. So that's the the, the full spectrum of the digital water is to be able to not only have these devices out at the end of the pipes and and beginning of the pipes, but have someone analyzing the data or even have a computer algorithm analyzing and tracking and trending the data and then producing a report that someone must see and look at and respond to. Right. And it doesn't have to be in real time. It could be, you know, in in 24 hours or whatever you set the algorithm to. I can already... I can already see the name of the report. It's going to be the waterfall report. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. No, I, like I, I agree. Like a dashboard. And there are water dashboards, but there's not enough of it because, like you said, not enough of the water is being tracked and not enough of it downstream. Sometimes you know where the great big source is, but then downstream you lose visibility. And the more water you can digitize downstream, the more you know where – how much, where it's going and how much, and then if that water is needed or not. So you can decide how to manage it. I like it. 
I think you're right. And I think that uh, IOT, here I am saying, I think you're right. We'll find out if we're right next year. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Right now, I think you're right. And I think that IOT devices are helping with that. A lot of these processing processors and equipment is, um, you know, smaller, more readily available, less expensive uh, than it used to be. We can get this data up to the cloud a lot better than we used to be able to. And so having digitizing the water and giving people access to it we've, you know, we're in a better position than the world's in a better position than it's ever been in to do that. Yeah. And I think Andy, some of the things on, on the lower level of the digitization, you know, for instance, is, you know, how much water is sitting in the cistern? You know, how much do we need to fill back up to the, to the cistern when it's empty? How much rainwater did it, did it fall? What is the pressure on our, on our pumps? You know, how much water did we use? You know, all of those are critical in our in our irrigation industry to be able to have access to and track and trend that information. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Well, I'll add then I'll add my, uh, second one. You can't see, but Paul's dog was barking in the background. So he just got up and he's going to go yell at the dog, tell the dog to shut up, stop barking. He's, we're trying to record a really important podcast here. Doesn't the dog know this? <laughs> <laughs> so I think adding on to that digitization, I think that, and I don't know who, but I, what I know is that if somebody spends time using, learning, and understanding what a soil moisture sensor, the data that it provides to them, and the effectiveness of that data, they have a hard time going back to a weather-based system for a true like management, truly like how much water should I put down right now? You have to know how much is in the ground. And right now there's really just a handful of companies even in that space. And so I think that we will see, and I don't know who, again, I'm just totally putting this out there, at least one other company enter the soil moisture space um, and help bring, you know, more thought leadership to that space. And I say this in, in stride with a rising tide raises all ships. So if you look at a company like Baseline, we want more companies, shouldn't say we, Baseline could benefit if more companies have soil moisture sensors because that means more educated users and the tide rises, which means everybody benefits. And so I think we're going to see, I think we're going to see more soil moisture activity next year. Totally. And, and Andy, also a lot of it is going to go wireless, right? That's really critical to be able to eliminate and remove that wire from the device so it can then transmit whether depend on whatever frequency LoRa, UHF, Bluetooth, cellular um, back to um, the cloud and then be able to transmit that information via an API into another device. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, that's that's for sure more and more of those types of activities are happening. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, I don't know how many you had. Did you have three today? I mean, I have 27, but we can pick. <laughs> well, let's do three because <laughs> totally we kidding. did three before. I think three is a good number. It keeps us kind of out right. of the weeds. Any of these other ideas, we can just sync up another time and just have, you know, brain share podcasts. So you said you wanted to save the best for last. Let's go ahead and let's hear the best. Well, unfortunately, th this particular one, uh, I'm, it's more about how I see the market. And, and I've, I've got a feeling we're going to see a little bit of a recession coming into 2022 um, because, you know, the telltale signs from what I'm reading and what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing 
is that we're going to have some stagnation in the economy and i believe we're going to we're going to go into some form of 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 a recession um especially if inflation as i mentioned in my first comment there if if, if inflation starts to rise you're going to see the economy go way down and then we're going to we're going to tweak a recession and i'm feeling you know there's a there's a little smell in the air when it comes to the economy specifically into a recession okay so i i hope this one doesn't come true andy um this will be one i would i would love to lose every time um, but i got a feeling that we're going to be going into a recession in this in this coming year mm-hmm. and that could mean that uh an irrigation system in some parts of the country is not a necessity it's a luxury and a lot of home landscapes can be luxury items when money's flowing and everything's good let's build the deck let's put in the patio let's Let's build a stone, um, you know, patio around our new spa. Let's just consume, buy, buy, buy. And so if what you just said happens, then we might have a slowdown in that. Um, and that would be, you know, the recession. That would be less, less purchasing. And then I would say that would be a reason why you would not want to buy, pre-buy all your supplies for next year. <laughs> That's right. Yep. You, you know, t- the the thought here would be, and, I, and again, I've, I've been doing this now um, 30 some years. So you see a, a downturn in the economy every like 10 or so years, 10 or 12. This one's been longer, longer run on a, on a bullish market. Um, but what needs to happen during recession times is you need to diversify your, your business. Sometimes you're going to need to downsize. It's going to be pain- painful. Um, but you're going to have to really tighten the belt and determine really what's important to you and, and how you can survive during a recession in, in your business. And ideally, it's you're going to see construction activity is going to slow down. Um, and then you need to really focus more on what, what you can do maintenance-wise to be able to to sustain you know some level of revenue mm-hmm. in the business. Yep. And uh, just for disclaimer, neither Paul and I are, are financial advisors. We don't give advice to anyone. We are just here um, thinking about the future. So do what you want with your own spend, purchasing, inventory, et cetera. That was my disclaimer. Not that it's needed. I just Good put it out there. I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that one's wrong, too. When yeah. Come back well, next year and you're like, Paul, you missed the mark, man. You didn't call inflation or recession. Yeah. But you did get the digital markets, water stuff, right? Yeah. Let's see. So my third prediction is that we will see, I'm trying to figure out the best way to explain this. Uh, right now, let's say you buy a smart controller, a smart device. Um, what's happening is this: the, the manufacturer you buy it for, from provides, let's say, their Wi-Fi module their cellular module, you know, their communication device um, of any sort. And I think we're going to see really they're just entering a space that other people already own. And so there are like IOT cellular companies out there where you can buy their products and put them on other existing devices. And so I think we're going to see the entrance of, you know, specialty IOT cloud communication modules start to to enter the the industry so that if you're buying any manufacturer's controller, let's say it's a Weathermatic, a Hunter, a Rainbird, a Toro, a Baseline, a CalSense, whatever it is, Rachio, 
you could um, use you know third-party modems instead of relying on each manufacturer to create their own you know connection to the cloud. The manufacturers will continue to host and provide their software, but allow you to connect up to the cloud you know, using other devices uh, that are more readily available instead of trying to own it end to end in every device along the way. Now, what do you think about the the ancillary devices to be able to communicate to the the main control device? Same same thing. The... So let let's say you're a flow a flow meter or not meter a flow sensor company. Right now, the flow sensors connect to a controller, and that's how they get up to. In, either into the software that might be, you know, if it, they're still running old-fashioned desktop software, that's how it gets into the software. But any modern platform, they connect to the controller, then they connect up into the software. And I think we're going to see more of the flow sensing type device, the pressure sensing type device, the soil moisture sensing type device, whatever the device is, will have its own pipe to the cloud, its own okay. gateway to the cloud. That, that's what I'm saying. And it may be that it's not being provided by Rainbird. Right. It could be an existing Rainbird flow sensors that you simply take this other device that you know, doesn't exist right now. I'm just making this up that then pipes the data up to the cloud and you can do what you want with it. Uh, and you you are right. I'm seeing it. We, you know, we're testing them. They're, they're starting to integrate more. Um, so I know one of the key elements of being able to to understand this new technology, Andy, is you got to be aware of the changing landscape when it comes to. Um, IT in the irrigation business that that is that is so important and we're not just dirt plumbers anymore yeah yep so make sure you're you're building as many relationships also you know not only in this industry but outside this industry because sometimes finding something that works in another industry and transplanting it into this industry can be a great way um, to open up new opportunities so, all right. I think we got three pretty good predictions. So what, uh, what are your New Year's Eve plans? We are just staying put, Drew, you know, with this virus thing going on. We're not going to get out and about. We're just going to celebrate a bunch of gratitude right here in our home with, with my close family. Awesome. Yep. Got the same thing happening. You? Exactly the same, uh, same plans. And then we've got Michigan football plan on new year's eve so we're going to check that out hopefully they win <laughs> not they that i'm a huge college football fan but it's home right i live in michigan i got a root yeah, for the right. for the hometown team home state team so awesome and then i can't wait to revisit your list of 24 that were still remaining on your list of 27 because we only did three so keep that <laughs> list don't let it go anywhere and then you know last year you said we were going to re record 50 podcasts together so we'll have to move that to next year. Let's record 50 episodes together. That means one a week, Drew. <laughs> Got to make it happen. All right. Well, thanks for joining me, Paul. Um, if anybody wants to connect with you directly, what's the best way for them to reach you? I just go go uh, pbassett at envocore.com. Or you can go to envocore.com and on the website and you can see all the magic that we we do and provide. Awesome. That's great. So reach out to Paul if you want to learn more about the water conservation business or performance contracting or performance energy contracting as well. And then just as a last uh, minute wrap up, if you're not with us in the Sprinkler Nerd community on Facebook, definitely look us up. We have a couple questions that you have to answer that prove to us you are 
a green industry professional. I think we need to know. Well, we got it. We need to know your company name, your role in the company, and then your email address. And uh, then we'll let you in. And we'd love to chat with you on the inside and continue brain sharing just like Paul and I have done today. So, Paul, thanks so much, man. Really appreciate talking with you as always. And we will catch the rest of you, Sprinkler Nerds, in 2022.